really? I don't know. No, okay. Like, like she actually like, thought it was cool after she was doing a podcast and she's like, oh, about what? And then, like, my sister told her, like, uh, about, you know, being a man or. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm going to go listen to it. Yeah. So. <laughs> At least yeah. three. So we have yeah, girls some, listening some girls to our are, podcast. are trying to figure out what they're looking for in a man here. Wow. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, you can you can introduce Dylan and we'll get started. Sure. All right, boys, we got a very special guest, the first guest uh, of the podcast, uh, one of the founders of GMU Boys, and also a stud volleyball player at Conestoga College. We got Dylan Art with us. Dylan, how's it going? Hey, Nick. Thanks for that uh, warm welcome. <laughs> no problem, man. <laughs> it's going good. I'm not sure what day it is of quarantine yet, but we're hanging in. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how are you keeping yourself busy during these times? Oh, I'm still in school, so just schoolwork for the most part. But I don't know what I'll be doing after school is done in two weeks or so. Yeah, yeah. Join the club, man. Yeah. Um, we also got Mike with us. Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm back, just like always. Yeah, man. <laughs> how's uh, how how how's this last week for you? Okay, so well, this week. Monday, I've decided, so right now I work on my thesis because uh, I'm a master's student at University of Waterloo. So I'm working on my thesis, but I decided that this week, what I really needed, I think God was speaking to me that I needed to like surrender everything over to him. So I'm taking this one week. I'm not working on my thesis at all. Like I'm literally just thinking about God. So the only thing I do is things like this podcast, Bible study. That's the only thing I do with people this week. I'm just trying to surrender my entire life to God and just like read the Bible and pray. That's it. So that's pretty sick, yeah, man. That's super cool. I'm trying. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously, Dylan, this is your first time on here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you got big plans this summer, I've heard. And yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So this summer, I will be getting married as of right now on June 13th, which very excited and looking forward to. Uh, obviously, we'll see where God takes that with all all the COVID-19 stuff going on. So that might become a later date, but uh, we're, we're just seeking his guidance right now. And uh, currently, I'm attending Conestoga College and I'm in the business program. It's a two-year diploma. And I'm just finishing up year one. Yeah. Nice. Um, obviously, uh, this is a sports podcast. You know, we're going to talk about sports here. And uh, Mike and Dale, both of you being Sense fans, I saw I saw a report the other day saying that uh, if the season, if the NHL season doesn't continue, there's like six teams who are at risk of going bankrupt, and uh, one of them is the Ottawa Senators. So. Uh, Bill, <laughs> what what do you think would happen if the Suns go bankrupt? Do you think that's the end of them or what? Oh, I think so. Yeah, it's almost what been four or five years now that just our ownership has been complete trash. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 
Hashtag Melnick out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might take the Suns out with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm really hoping, though, that, uh, like, you look at what they did for Arizona, the Coyotes and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I hope I hope they would do that to Ottawa as well, right? But I don't know. Like, like the league coming in and giving financial support? Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's, like, I think they really want Arizona because it's the American market, right? They got the American dollar, yeah. whereas yeah. Ottawa is the Canadian market. And, like, they're not going to lose, like, Canadian viewership just because Ottawa leaves. Like, I feel like they'd still have a ton of fans in Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Would you uh, – are you guys going to be leave fans then if the Sens collapse? I can honestly say that if Sens are out of the league, I will not be watching the NHL. Really? Yeah. Wow. True fan at heart wow. here. Yeah. Dill, that's a big statement. Um, I don't know. I think I would go maybe wherever, because uh, like when we lost Mark Stone, I almost left. I left a, as a Sens fan. Mm-hmm. Like I almost jumped ship to Vegas, but I'm like I can't cheer for Vegas. You know, I just felt that was such a weird team to cheer for. If there was any other team, I would have jumped ship and just like started cheering for that team that Mark Stone went to, perhaps. But so I don't know. I'd maybe I'd maybe see where a guy like Thomas Shabbat ended up. <laughs> it's all about, then, it's all about uh, loyalty here, Mike. Well, I'm, I'm loyal. You know, I grow. You know, I get a huge heart for some of the players. Yeah, that's and nice. I just love the players sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's like, do I cheer for the name on the back or the logo on the front? Uh, sometimes I think it's more of the name on the back. But yeah. yeah, I guess there's a couple real men in our league or in the NHL there. Eh? Yeah, who would you say that is? Some real men. Yeah, I'd go with uh, our boy Mark Shifley. Mm. Yeah, Mark Shifley, right? Fisher was a real man. Oh yeah, Fisher was a real man. Yeah. Was uh, I don't know. Maybe we should go down that road. But uh, would you say Eric Carlson was a real man? Not in our eyes, no. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Not in our eyes. <laughs> to me, he was. Yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah. Still, <laughs> um, you still you wouldn't. Like, if the Sens relocated to, I don't know, Seattle, I don't think that would happen. But, like, for – I don't even know where they'd go. What mm-hmm. happens if they went to, like, Quebec City? You you wouldn't cheer for them? You'd be done? I think so. Like, yeah, I don't know how they could do that. That would just be weird wow. to me. Hmm. Huh. Nice. I think I would still cheer for the relocated team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so but I have really lost my fire for Ottawa the past few years. Yeah, I have so. too. Yeah, yeah, they suck. I thought maybe maybe it's because I'm growing up, though. You know, I'm not a boy anymore. Yeah, you know, I Am don't I? just fall in love with. <laughs> it's all right though because it's allowed me to just clean up in fantasy hockey. It gives more attention there. Buddy, <laughs> who was crushing you in playoffs? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah, but no, you're good. Good manager, I'll, I'll admit it. All right, so obviously, you know, we, you, Mike and Dell, you're the both, uh, you're the founders of Jivu Boys. So I thought uh, we'd kind of dive in and, you know, try and see, get a firsthand account of of how you kind of came up with this camp. So uh, I'll start with you, Dell. Like, was it like just an epiphany? Like one day, you're like. 
you know what, I'm going to start a boys camp or like, was it something that God's kind of been like talking to you about or trying to kind of like building your life up to this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also answer like, how did, how and you Mike, how did you and Mike connect? So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So for a while in my life, one like my dream job to either running a camp, a sports camp, an outdoors camp. And I never just, I never acted on it. And that's kind of been the story for all my life. Like I've, I felt like God's been telling me to do stuff at certain times in my life, but I've never acted on it because it's either too much work or just, I feel like it's out of my league. But then, Hmm. so that's when Mike came to me with his idea and Mike's enough of a personality to actually move forward on something. And so that was really encouraging in my life because I've never really acted on something before, but this time he was kind of there pushing me along with him. And that was really helpful to me to get this started because Mike had the passion of, of boys and manhood and uh, wanting to be, wanting to do something in their community. And I just had the passion of playing sports with kids at that point. So, yeah. Hmm. Mike, uh, so how did, how did you kind of come up with idea or did like God kind of lead you this way or take me through it? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, I didn't even really have the idea for the sports camp. Uh, it was actually one of our other friends had the idea for Evan, Evan Freed. He had the idea for the sports camp um, because I really just was, I was like two years ago when I was kind of recovering from, oh, this kind of reminds me. So uh, like right now I said that I'm taking a week off and I'm just thinking about God and whatever. So I did that two years ago. The reason why I'm doing it this week is because I did it two years ago and um that's when the juices started flowing in my head. I didn't know it was like going to birth a sports camp, mm-hmm. but I just thought I just uh, two years ago when I was recovering from this concussion, I'm just like lying down in the dark. I just like started thinking a lot about boys and just like this passion for boys was just like, there's that verse in Romans where it says, if you surrender yourself to God um, and let God transform your mind, um, then you will know God's plan for life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So surrendering my life over to God for that one week taught me something about myself that I really like boys and I'm really passionate about like the potential with inside boys and like realizing uh, the potential they have to do something greater for um, God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, so seeing that, so that like, I didn't know, I just knew, okay, I like boys. I didn't really know what I wanted to do for them. I just want, want to do something for boys. That sounded actually very homo. Um, I like boys, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no homo here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I just knew I, I wanted to do something for boys. And then, so I kind of like, I actually like kind of threw out ideas to people. Like, I don't know. I don't think Dill really noticed, like, but I remember I threw out an idea um, we went to the Maple Syrup Festival hmm. and uh, I was throwing out an idea actually of doing something more for like, I think I had the idea of actually like, it was kind of maybe like running a podcast or something, actually. That was kind of my idea. But seriously, like, who would listen to that? Like, I don't even think my mom <laughs> right. listen to that. I don't, I don't even think my mom's listening to this podcast. So, um, <laughs> my, my, my but anyway, so then that led me. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so then, uh, 
then like after thinking about this for about four months, I finally like told Evan Freed, basically, I want to do something more for boys. And then he says, oh, why don't you like sports camp? And that idea had never crossed my mind before. And he, of course, tells me, well, you know, who'd be right into that is Dylan. Thanks. Right. So then that's when I say, well, I got to reach out to Dylan and Dylan's been like an absolute like, you know, we can do the camp without Dylan because Dylan just, you know, he's the sports guy that gets like all that done for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can't like I can't do without Dylan. And I think Dylan would agree he can't do it without mm -hmm. me. So it's just perfect. What yeah. a team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty cool watching you guys work this out. So um, Mikey touched on this a little bit and like, where did where does the passion for for helping like uh, boys out like where does that come from? Is it like from you know experiences of like uh, older guys in the church coming alongside you and helping you guys out or? Yeah, uh, I honestly it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mystery, Nick. I think. Oh yeah. Um, I think yeah. It's just sometimes when you I think it just comes down to I just think about when you surrender your life to God and you give everything else over to him you've lost when you've lost everything and all you have left in your life is god and jesus and that's when you that's when you find out what actually is important to you in life like the most important thing to you and uh yeah it ends up and for me i guess it was just i think everyone kind of has their own stick of like what's important really important to them at the end of the day and i think for me it's just like seeing boys um grow up to be men and like seeing that potential in them is just really exciting. So I don't, honestly, Nick, I can't answer that. It's a bit of a mystery to me. Yeah. Um, so that's my answer for you. Nice. Uh, you got an answer or you're a bit like Mike there? No, I'd say I have, I have more of a defined answer. Um, uh, uh, the boys for me, like I've never really had that passion. Like if you ask my fiance, you could tell her like, she would tell you I'm just awful with kids and <laughs> the passions has kind of, like, had kind of to grow on me. Um, uh -huh. But just think of my own life. Like I've got some pretty close friends um, who maybe grew up with an absence of their dad. And uh, it's really impacted me and seeing um, just com seeing how I grew up with a dad and maybe how, what they're missing out on. And so then I know there's a lot of kids in the community who are going through the same thing. And um, it, it, it'd mean a lot if we could influence a young, a young kid, young boy to uh, live up to the standards and be a, a real man in this world. Mm -hmm. So Dale, 25 in America, 25% of boys, they don't have a father in their home. Like, isn't that yeah, just that's wild? Insane. Just insane. Good stat, Mike. Yeah. Where'd, where'd you pull that one up? <laughs> yeah, I, it's been in the back of my mind for a while. I finally reached it and grabbed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's sweet that you guys are trying to to impact boys that way. Um, so you we know you guys wanted to start a, a camp. Did you always know? Um, like, where did the vision of manhood? Like, when did that come into play? Was it like right away? Uh, you guys knew that you wanted to include that, or like, um. Were you like set on making it just a sports camp, and then like, like when when did you decide to make it a sports and a faith faith camp? So I'll start with Mike on that one. Oh man, that was quite mm -hmm. the journey. That was quite the yeah. journey. Well, let's hear it. Uh, 
yeah so i think i was pushing oh man because there were so many times when we got started last year it was wild i thought ah it was like we started talking about the camp seriously in november um which is kind of late when you're a bunch of guys that don't even know how to get insurance don't even know how to like november, find a november venue. Of 2018 just to be clear right yeah. Yeah. Sorry. November mm-hmm. 2018. Right. Um, so, so we got started, I felt kind of late and then just, uh, and then, but one thing I wanted to push the guys on very early on was I wanted to have like a very like clearly defined mission, vision and values. Um, because I, if I'm going to go out, cause I'm the type of guy to do more of like the business, like connections, business development stuff. And if I'm going to go out and like start selling what we are, then I got to know like what we are. Cause like people are going to partner with us um, because of our mission, because of our vision, because of our values. So I wanted to have that clearly defined out from the beginning. Um, so then, uh, so we talked about that quite a bit and we could, it's so, I think the only thing we could agree on at the beginning was, was we all want to do something for boys. We want, all want to protect boys Um and bring them closer to Jesus. Like we wanted to save boys Yeah, was what we could all agree on. Right. And uh, so then we're the vision of, so then we actually did a, uh, we did a vision night in 2019 where we, it was like a point where after we had our, uh, um, we had our insurance lined up, we had our, uh, venue picked we hadn't opened registration yet but we were just like trying to pump up our friends to like grow support and like also get critical feedback on what we prepared as far as our mission vision and values um, and it's so interesting to see how like the mission vision values we had then at that meeting it's not at all the same mission vision and values we have today mm. um, we did at that time we didn't even have um, the vision of manhood yet um, in fact it actually came the vision of manhood came from a video Dill showed me. So Dill, do you want to talk about that video? Yeah. So Nick and I are absolutely in love with um, Reach Records and Reach Records yeah, is uh, the, the founder of Reach is Lecrae. Um, and I came across this sermon. I don't know. It could have been over five years ago. And, and he, he had this sermon titled, what does it mean to be a man or what does it mean to be a real man? And I absolutely just fell in love with it. And I watch it a couple of times a year. And through like every time I watch it, I make some notes and I pick up something new. But yeah, then I showed that to Mike. And Mike, I think, dug deeper and found the book where Lecrae got it from, right? Yeah. So that book is um, How to Raise a Modern Day Knight by, uh, sorry, I believe it's Robert. I believe it's Robert. Uh, Dick I don't know maybe oh Robert Lewis sorry um, so okay so by Robert Lewis and we've said last week on the podcast that uh, that Nick actually has my copy of the book mm. right now yeah I'm gonna I'm starting it tonight I finished Bonhoeffer yesterday so nice 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 okay so just quickly I will just repeat because it's always important we got to keep repeating our vision of manhood because this is like the one thing um, we share with boys um, so I got to repeat because sometimes we say vision of man, but yeah. what is our vision of man? It's reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously and invest eternally. Um, so last week we introduced that vision of manhood and this week um, we're going to talk about reject passivity. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of you, Nick. It's all good, man. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, 
continue on the on how you how you included into the camp yeah so then okay so then that was that was our four our four characteristics of a man those right there from and then we said was that was that clearly outlined in the sermon or did you get it more so from the book hmm uh that was clearly outlined in the sermon so we actually never i never read the book until after we had the camp last year because we got everything we got our vision of manhood really from the lecrae sermon Mm -hmm. not realizing it came from a book and then it wasn't until actually during the week of camp one of the uh one of the sons one of the boys that came out to our camp this guy sean it's okay if we say his name because sean's really cool um so sean came out to the camp and his dad patrick told me that week he's like oh that um vision of manhood you got that from uh, Robert Lewis's book, uh, How to Raise a Modern Man. I'm like, no, I, we got that from Lecrae. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but then, but he said, uh, it's from this book. So I said, okay, like, I'd like to read this book. So I bought a copy off Amazon and I read it. And actually that book, man, it, it was a tear. It was a tearjerker really? actually for me. It was, oh yeah, it actually, it was actually, I don't know. I don't think it was really meant to make me cry, but it made me oh, cry. No. Um, yeah. Don't worry, Nick. I don't know if that will okay. happen to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's where. So then that week, uh, well, Dale can talk about how we incorporate that into our sports camp. Hmm. Yeah. So throughout the week of our sports camp, at least last year, how we ran it was um, we would pick a sport a day. So on Monday we did basketball. And we did three or four hours of basketball in the morning of just drills and practice stuff. And then during our lunch hour, we had a guest speaker, a new guest speaker every day come and share um, on one of the themes. So on Monday, um, we had a guy and he taught us about rejecting passivity. And and then so then the the week would progress continually and Tuesday would be accept responsibility and four on. So we kind of had an hour session each day of, of, of eating lunch outside with the boys and them learning from a real man, what it took for them to become a real man. Hmm. Mike, you had anything to add about that or. Um, well, I think we have, like, we had some really good speakers that came out, yep. I think. So uh like just the stories they share um like we had this guy john jonathan with an incredible story about um how he was saved you know growing up in like a rough um rougher um community um getting involved in drugs and violence and uh but like seeing how god turned his life around and like you could tell like the boys really loved the man talks like mm-hmm. it was actually unbelievable to me like i couldn't believe like i think we just wore them out so much with sports and they loved that part so much that when it came time for lunch they just sat there captivated listening like these really cool stories mm-hmm. um so yeah i thought our speakers did a great job like shout out to them um yeah nice um so final question and then we can uh dive into rejecting passivity but you know two two college guys no prior experience uh and then you put you put on a a sports camp and from a third party who was pretty involved but like not not as involved as you guys i i I 
I'd have to say like, it was amazing to see how, how it all kind of came together. So um, I just want to like, what was one time where like you really saw God working, like whether it was uh, on the like administrative part, like trying to put it together or during the week, like there's, there's just one moment where like, yeah, God's really working. So Bill, if you could share one time. Um, I think the main thing for me was that the fact that God brought 14 boys to our camp is absolutely ridiculous because I just don't think Mike and I are even worthy enough to even be doing this. And the fact that we had for me more than enough kids as our first year was incredible. And it was so much fun. And honestly, like it was the perfect number. Like, yeah, it was just perfectly planned out by God and it worked for teams and sports and, um, I would definitely say it's like some friends between the boys were made. Who knows if they're still connecting, but um, yeah, that was just mind blowing that we were able to not convince, but um, yeah, get those 14 boys into uh, into a, a college gym, play some sports and talk about God. Mm. Yeah, for for me, I think it was, uh, I just immediately, when you said that, I thought about this one, uh, just when we had that meeting with uh, Heritage, because um, we host the sports camp at Heritage College and Seminary, we use their gym, so uh, we were concerned about the, the rental fee for the gym space was actually a really lot, like, it was a lot mm-hmm. of money, um, so Dylan and I, like, sat down with, um, one of the ladies there that um, like runs the rental agreement. So, um, and we, we shared with her like our vision for the camp. Um, and it was unbelievable how I think she just, she really mm-hmm. just ate up. Um, she ate up what like Dylan and I left that. We were so pumped up like from that meeting because she just ate it all up. She was like the perfect person to listen to our, like our mission um, and she partnered with us because of our mission and what we wanted to do for boys. Um, and the other thing that was just really cool in that meeting was, so not only did she end up dropping uh, the price for the gym, uh, like a lot of money, like she saved us a lot of money. I won't say how much, but mm-hmm. it was a lot. And uh, so we honestly couldn't have done it if like she didn't give us that price. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, so that was huge. Um that God gave us that kind of support from somebody. Um, and then uh, just uh, that, um, and then while we're having that meeting, we're giving like the pitch for our camp uh, to Heritage. There's there's a student sitting nearby, like an older student, like she's part of the seminary. Uh, and she's she heard uh, what we were talking about. So it's like God just positioned her there perfectly to hear uh, what she was um to just to just hear what we're doing and then and then she tells us after so afterwards we meet with um heritage and we pray and then uh afterwards this lady turns around and says she's like i just was have this burning on my heart to tell you like what's what's happening here is just um so uh like what you're doing for boys is just uh so important and uh she's like hey uh my husband is you know working on sharing his testimony maybe he can share his testimony at your Mm -hmm. camp right um so we ended up that's who uh john jonathan is who like had the story about like his crazy upbringing. Like that's how we got connected uh, to yeah. him. 
Um, and so that was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God was working there, I thought. So, yeah. That's sick. Yeah, just from another perspective, I definitely could see, like, how it all came together. Like, it was it was definitely amazing to see. And the, the passion that both of you guys have for it is just, it's uh, contagious for sure. So, um, Mike, you want to dive into rejecting passivity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about rejecting passivity today. So this is the first one of our characteristics of a man. Um, and you really need to start here. Um, and so to start, um, I want to look at uh, Genesis. Well, yeah, we got to look at, you know, we're talking about Adam. We're comparing, we're contrasting Adam to Jesus. Mm. Uh, so let's start in Genesis 2, because I want to point something out that's like never pointed out. Um, like people always talk about when they talk about reject passivity, they always talk about Genesis three where like um, Eve takes the bite from the apple and Adam just stands there. But I want to, we'll get to that, but I want to, I want to first go to um, this is like the most awkward moment in all of scripture. I think, Uh, well, that's how I see it. So like Adam, so God is looking to make Adam like a partner for life, right? Just like, just like Dylan, you got Lindsay, you know, you got a partner for life. Um, so, so there's um, this really awkward. So Jesus, so God says to Adam, like your job is to name all the wild animals, right? Like that's the job. That's the work to do that this man, Adam has. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so uh, I'm just going to read from verse 21 of Genesis two, and then I'll get to my point. So it says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Okay, so this is after he's been naming all the wild animals. Uh, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord, so I love that. While the man is sleeping, God gets to work. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man, just like God brought all the other wild animals to the man for him to name the animals. God brings the woman to the man. And then the man exclaims at last, at last. And he says, this is the most awkward phrase I've ever heard in the Bible. And it says, uh, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. I just, I don't know about you boys, but I find that incredibly awkward because like, here's the most beautiful creature you've ever seen. And the first thing you say to her is you like examine her, like you've been doing with all the other wild animals. Hmm. Okay. You examine her and you say like, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. I will call her woman. And you just like name her. You just carry on with your work to do. Like you're completely unfazed that this is like the most beautiful creature you've ever seen. And you just like continue on with your work to do. So I just want to make the point that man is passive in some things and not passive in others. Like here, the man was definitely not passive in the work uh, God gave him to do. Uh I just thought that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts there? Uh, not re- like wow, I know I definitely haven't. I have not <laughs> thought of it that way, but that's yeah, it's weird. So this, yeah, I've never heard. No one's ever told me that. That's just completely coming from, um, yeah, Mike's thoughts. But anyways, so that's just a little bit encouragement to guys that hey, you are really like good at like being like um, not passive. Uh-huh 
in some yeah. things, right? Sorry, so Mike, on I just our website, that um, although yeah. Adam wasn't wasn't passive here, this 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 happened before mm-hmm. the fall, right? So he couldn't have been pass passive and mm. if he even tried to because there was no sin yet but i do agree well, that um like passivity reigns in our lives and sometimes we're passive in certain things in some areas we choose to reject passivity but we just got to choose when we're going to step up but yeah yeah so so we'll see that adam was passive um his passivity brought sin into the world. We'll see that in Genesis mm-hmm. three. Um, but uh, yeah. So, okay. So we have a definition though, for rejecting passivity. Um, that's on our website. Um, I don't know if I got it com- memorized completely, but it says, so reject passivity. What we mean by that is to avoid or is to avoid our natural tendencies or to okay, reject passivity is rejecting our natural tendencies to avoid social and spiritual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's our definition for rejecting passivity. That's on our website. And uh, so, like, we really target it at uh, social and spiritual responsibility. Okay. Um, that's important. So, okay. Uh, Dill, do you want to read? Um, we got. Gen- uh, why don't we just read Genesis three um, to do, 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 do. Uh, By the way, I think we lost Nick, but that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, uh, we'll read. Gen- do you want to read Genesis chapter three yeah. to verse? Oh, we're. Okay, read to verse mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I read out of the ESV. What do you read out of? I read out of NLT, but like I okay. actually really cool. like ESV. No so thanks for bringing that All up. right, Genesis 3, the fall. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest But the serpent said to the woman, You will not you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed leaves together and made themselves cloths. Hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, there's, a there's a lot in there that... Oh, there's so much. I've mm-hmm. been in Genesis a lot recently, and uh, I just keep coming back because I just keep yeah. discovering more and more and more. Um, but we got to fo- we got to focus, I think, on our theme right now of uh, rejecting That's passivity. Sick. And hey, Nick, hey, you're thanks. back. Welcome back, Thank you. Nick. 
We probably could have. I probably could have not even mentioned that, and like no one listening to the, to the wow, podcast would like even notice. But I don't talk. But uh, I thought it was kind of funny that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We just carried on. Now continue. Act like I'm not in there. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so we just read uh, Genesis three one to seven. Mm-hmm. Dill just okay. read that, and uh, and we just said that there's a lot to unpack there. I don't. Want to f- I want to focus on our mm-hmm. theme of rejecting passivity. So I just want to point out the one um, verse where it says, yeah. so verse six. So for, like the serpent comes along deceiving the woman. Okay. Like this serpent, you're like, okay, where does this talking snake come from? Well, like we know um, that if you've read the Bible a little more, you know that the talking snake is uh, Satan. Um so, uh, but anyways, I will just read verse 16 because there's a po- an important thing we need to point out because it looks a lot like it's an interaction between uh, the woman mm-hmm. and the serpent. Um, but really, the man is kind of tripped up here. So it says, uh, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it could give her. It would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. So this isn't just an interaction between the serpent and the woman. It's like the man is standing there watching uh, the woman just be lied to, you know? Not only lied to, but um, passively Adam stands there and watches his wife uh, eat the apple. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't like, he doesn't like knock mm-hmm. that apple out of her hand. What are you doing? Did God said this, yeah. you know? So, which by the way, only God told Adam not to eat from the fruit. Correct. So, right? Yeah. And, and it clearly says that Adam or Eve must have known. So Adam clearly told Eve because Eve responded to the serpent saying um, that we are not supposed to eat from the tree. So Eve knew, so that means Adam told her, but then Adam's clearly mm-hmm. there with her and watches the very thing God him not to do to his own loved wife. So Adam, so Adam told Eve, uh, but do we think that uh, the, when Adam told Eve, do we think that like warning he gave Eve was like really strict was it like, oh yeah, there's that tree. We don't eat from that one tree. Mm-hmm. Like, how how serious do you think that warning yeah, we don't know. was? But yeah, yeah, we can guess. I don't know. Well, uh, God, when did God tell Adam that? Did He tell him before Eve was made, or? So if we go back in Genesis chapter two. It says, okay, so Genesis chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 15, I'll read from there. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to okay. tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay, verse 18 then says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. So at that point, when God said, don't, if, don't you may truly except you don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil when god says that the man was alone so we know eve was not around at that point 
Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's so it's like, okay, how like, it's just interesting to me too to match up those words. It says, so this was God, like God's been teaching me recently in my life. He's like, Mike, you need to rest on my words and my words only. Don't add your own words in there. Don't let my words get twisted. Don't listen to the words of other people. Don't listen to the words of the serpent. Okay, rest on my words only. So when, so it's just interesting. Like you should track the words God says. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Like that should have been precisely what Eve responds to the serpent and says, right. no, God said this, right? But you can see what is, uh, I don't know, you want to read that, Dill, in verse Read, read that again in verse uh, chapter three, verse uh, verse three. That's yeah, the woman's Eve reply to the serpent. Eve quoted God saying, "You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden; neither shall you touch it, lest you die." I, I think though that Eve even added in, "Neither shall you touch it," because I don't think I don't think God. I know, right? Said that to Adam in the beginning. So I think she added in that herself, which is really no. weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is weird, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes this gets a little bit off track, but sometimes we add our own words right, to what yeah. God is telling us. Yeah. And it's just, we need to stand firm mm -hmm. on what God says, right? So like Adam should be like, Adam should Adam right. was the only one to hear God's words, right? So Adam, the man here, needs to take on some spiritual responsibility. And those words that God says, he needs to repeat repeat those words and those words only to his woman, yes. Eve. That's how I see it. Anyway. And I just like to add, I also I'm also um, a big fan of the message. <laughs> but in the message version in verse seven, just as more proof that Adam was right there with her. It says immediately in Genesis 3, 7, immediately the two of them saw themselves naked. Um, and so that just that just clarifies that Adam mm. was right there with her. She ate it. He ate it both at the same time. And immediately. Um, yeah. Saw themselves naked. Yeah, it's kind of immediate. They share in that like that moment kind of happened. Mm -hmm. It really happens together. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so now this is this has been uh, Adam's passivity. So through Adam's passivity, sin enters the world. Him standing by and not defending the woman from the lies of the serpent, yeah. sin enters the world. Okay, so now we need to compare that because our whole thing is we contrast that to uh, the God-man. So that's the first man, Adam, and then we contrast that to the God-man, Jesus. Okay. So, ba, ba, ba. what do we have to say about Adam, Jesus's passivity or lack thereof? I don't know. Does anyone got anything? Um, I want to, like, whenever I think, like, I think how you guys combine, like, reject passivity and accept responsibility, I think those go, like, hand in hand. Because, like, cause, like oh, I'm you right think of everything, like, to reject passivity that usually comes when like when sin is like when you're about to sin like you you always think like oh I sh like if you're rejecting passivity then you shouldn't sin right so like correct me if you guys disagree or if i'm saying nonsense 
but uh like god like jesus no, obviously i completely never agree so like in theory he was always rejecting pa- passivity mm-hmm. and, it, and i think how he did that was that he was always like accepting responsibility like uh mm-hmm. like yet yesterday i just watched the uh, the passion of christ like the mel gibson one and like yeah like uh like a scene that got me was when he's in the garden like right before uh judas is gonna betray him and like he's like asking god like if uh if this you know what what is it what are the words like uh i forget what the words are but it's like like if if i don't have to be crucified like if there is a, a way like lead me that way but then at but then at the end of that he's like uh but let your will be done not mine so like and i'm sure he's being tempted that whole time by the devil the the passion of the christ really portrays that is like while he's yeah. praying like the devil's like right beside him tempting him tempting him to like sin so jesus is rejecting his passivity by accepting that his responsibility is to die on the cross so i think mm-hmm. like I think that's a great picture of Jesus rejecting his passivity by accepting what his responsibilities are. Yeah. I just, I just want to add that. That's a great, that's a great point because um, Jesus had every right to be passive because he did nothing wrong. So Mm. you, you could think he had every right to be passive, but I just want to point out, uh, I I think it's in James four there's a verse that I think talks about passivity and it says something like whoever knows the right thing to do and falls to do it for him, it is sin. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what Jesus was dealing with. He, he knew the right thing to do was to follow through and be crucified because that was God's plan. So for him to follow God's plan um, is, uh, or sorry, if he did not follow God's plan, then he would be, um sinning because he knew the right thing to do was to later on get crucified Hmm. Hmm. so dale you brought up an interesting point right at the beginning you said something about like he didn't have to um what'd you say at the beginning you said something like he didn't have to i i think i said he had every right to be passive because he had nothing wrong yeah, I agree. I I agree with that because so that kind of like it's a weird one to say, but it's just that takes me to like the verse I had for Jesus and his rejecting passivity. Like I think I thought of that mm-hmm. same thing, Nick. That mm-hmm. moment in the garden, you know, that's yeah. a great like powerful moment. Um, I've also thought of like and like him being tempted by Satan there, which is yeah. like the serpent, right? Um, and then I also thought too about like, um, and when he's, uh, tempted in the wilderness, yeah. uh, for 40 days, I also thought of that moment, like, Oh, could I talk with that with passivity? But I only got one thing for you. And that kind of touches on, I think, um, Jesus had every right to be passive, right? Because he was perfect. And it just, for me, that's what I was thinking about Dill a lot. And I looked and I needed to find this verse because uh, I was looking for it. I'm like, I know there's this powerful verse about that. And then I found it. So Philippians chapter mm-hmm. two, verse six to eight, it says, though he was God, he referring to Jesus, he did not think of equality with God 
as something to cling to. So this is Jesus talking. Jesus, or sorry, this is um, this is Jesus. We're describing Jesus here. So Jesus was equal with God, but he not he did not think of that as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Like that to me, right there in three verses, that's rejecting passivity at its finest. And he didn't and deal like you're, I think you're mm-hmm. right there. Like he had every right to be passive. He was in equal standing with God. He did not have to come down for us and deliver us from sin, but he just, he decided to reject his passivity and do that. Right. Which is, yeah, that's what mind. I was saying. Um, with the James four four seventeen, I think it was, um, like if you know the right thing mm-hmm. to do but don't do it, you're being passive. And so God had God had told us to Jesus. So if Jesus didn't do this, he knew the right thing was what God was telling him. So if he didn't do this, he would end up being passive. So in that sense, he did reject passivity. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. He knew that that was the right thing to do, so he did it. Yeah. Because God's just perfect. He's right. Mm -hmm. You know, he does what's good. Okay. All right. I think we crushed that, don't you think? Reject passivity? I mean, we could talk about that for hours. Like, I just looked up, like, verses on rejecting passivity, and there's, like, hundreds, man. Yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Well, like really? once you think about wow. it, like when you, like when you're, yeah, hundreds, man. But well, for me, it was hard to pin down a moment. Like it's kind of easy to pin down a moment yeah. of like for Adam's life, but when the whole Bible is about Jesus, it's hard to pin down one verse that's like here's Jesus yeah. rejecting passivity. Yeah, his his whole life is rejecting passivity. Yeah. Ultimately, him coming to the earth to rescue us is his example of rejecting passivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at its finest. Yeah, I think uh, I think that theme, like when we go through, like accept responsibility, invest eternally. Like, I, I think we're gonna with Jesus. It's just gonna be the same thing. Like, oh, his whole life is accepting responsibility. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great example yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll try to focus on, I guess, is we'll try to pick out a few, a few key events. That's like, Hey boys, this is what accepting responsibility looks like. You know, I think that's what we'll do. Cause he, it's his life is just full of it, but we'll find yeah. it. We'll find a couple and, uh, good ones. So still, were you going to say something? Oh, my bad. And, uh, no, you can go ahead, Nick. I'll, I know I'm definitely going to do this, but I challenge anyone else listening. Bill, what was that that sermon by Lecrae? How to be a real man? Yeah, what does it mean to be a real man? Um, I'm definitely going to go check that out, and I challenge anyone else who yeah. who hasn't listened to that's our, to that. To, that's our boy. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you boys have anything? Any last things to add, or? I say I'm done. I say that's it for me for this week, but you got anything else? I just want to settle the debate between you guys had last week 
that Mike, Mike is right that you don't recede in playoffs. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, that makes yeah, it easier for me because then you. I don't have to play Mike. But <laughs> No, yeah, like the bracket's already set Really? Up. So, yeah. Well, that's what, that's what it has been the past couple yeah. of years. But, Mike, that's oh, still doesn't, for coming to my like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, what do you mean? I, I, I basically well, proved congrats. that I was able to beat the number one seed. No, so now I'm like the, the top seed. seed. I, I, Dale, would that make me question, Dale? Would that make me the top seed? Could I, could I argue that I won this year? 100%. Oh, get out of here, Dale. But you haven't. But you haven't. Oh, <laughs> oh Dale. I love you. It. Yeah, because you'd be playing the fourth seed, which is the number one seed spot. Like next round, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, well, you heard it here first, boys. I might be able to just uh, <laughs> declare victory for this year's fantasy <laughs> hockey league. Um, Mike, that's two crappy wins right. for you. A tie with Evan and a, a, a declaration of yourself winning. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's so funny yeah. all right we lost right. Uh, nick that's okay um yo that's unreal yeah and it's free hey nick did you miss me again yeah i would i yeah, literally just signed did. on to say dylan you were a great guest until he told mike that he has legitimacy about his claim. <laughs> yeah, boys, thanks for having me. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. It was fun.